From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill coming up on today's show. You hear that? That's an outline. We got an outline, everybody. Just how confident is this offensive staff that Tate Rodemaker will make a leap on Saturday? The defense's maturity shows through and loud noises. Corey and I argue the top four for tonight's college football playoff reveal. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida cptallybar.com the website you can always hit the qr code on your screen takes you right to the website i've said that probably 252 times since we've been partners with these great folks over at at uh, 2475 appalachia parkway corner pocket uh, but you know go to the website check out the lunch specials what is it on tuesday so of course usually 11 a.m to 3 p.m monday through friday the lunch special but on tuesday bill gets bill gets crazy it goes all day right it's mm-hmm. taco tuesday that's right Right. It's Taco Tuesday, gang, and it's Trivia Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Not sure if I'll be there or not. Um, it's kind of 50-50 right now. So if you're looking for one of those rare Corey Clark sightings at Corner Pocket, I'm not sure if you'll see me uh, later on today or not. Okay, all right. Warchant.com, your ultimate seminal sports source. Hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the website. Uh, there's an ad-free tier now, the gold tier. There's a... Uh, a secret message board for people who join at that level, but we're still hanging out there by the tribal council. We love you all. Love you all folks that listen to this show as well and post questions on the Renegade express and leave comments on the YouTube uh, and the show over on the uh, message board. A lot of people thought we were negative yesterday, Corey. They didn't like the, uh, the Monday victory program. I th- oh, right. I wish I, I think if we, if we, this it's our first show after a win. So I'm sure everyone's like, all right, man, they're going to be so excited and, like, Saturday we are. Yeah. But then, like, you know, Sunday we are exhausted. Uh, we've just traveled. We've been covering that game. Corey's been writing all sorts of content, racking his brain. I've been, you know, generating video content for everybody. So I think by the time we hang out late Sunday to record the Monday show, we're a little bit we're, – we're off our cloud nine kind of thing. But, listen, this is a pro Tate Rodemaker podcast. We're pro Rodemaker on here. We mm. love the kid. Yeah. Uh, we do think – I don't know, Corey, right? Week one to week two, teams make their biggest improvement. We're, we're hoping right. we'll see that out of Tate uh, this week. Uh, and seems like Coach Norvell graded the tape and liked what he saw out of Tate after all. Well, he and Atkins both uh, had positive things to say about him. And the number one thing is, and I think I mentioned it on yesterday's show, but it was something that can never be ignored, is he didn't turn the ball over. Mm. Um, that's a huge deal in a game like that. When you're not playing well, and they are bringing a lot of pressure, and I mean the offense not playing well, and they are bringing a lot of pressure, and sometimes you struggle to run the ball, to hold on to the ball, one of the sneaky biggest plays in that game, and Atkins talked about it on Monday, my man gets blindsided by that cornerback mm. uh, late in the game with a two-point lead. It's right before the uh, – it's literally the play before the uh, targeting. It's a huge play. I don't know why the corner didn't try to strip the ball from him because Tate had no idea he was coming. But even still, to hold on to the ball in that moment is an enormous deal because he had no idea that kid was coming. Um, so that's a that's a positive. The negative, and again, it's just something that you you uh, you grow with. And, and Aslan's right. You grow so much from week one to week two, from start one to start two, 
and you just, I mean, it's it's asking a lot to make your first start, really your first career start. The Jacksonville State at home in a COVID year, it counts, but does it really? Uh, <laughs> right. th- this was a real start, and it's on the road at the swamp when your team is eleven and zero. That that's in a that's just a, 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 a so many factors, an array of factors that that just make it not a normal start. And I thought he handled himself fine, um, but. Even on that, uh, on the on the blitz where he gets hit and doesn't fumble, that's the good. The bad is it's an RPO, and if you watch the film of that play, for especially the behind the the behind the quarterback view that they had on the on the television broadcast, if he hands that ball to Trey Benson, Trey Benson could have moonwalked into the end zone. There's nobody over there, mm. and that's not necessarily Trey, uh, Tate Rodemaker's fault. I don't even know if that's the side that the play would have been would have gone to if he would have handed it off. But I think when Atkins was talking about it on Monday, he's like, we've got to coach that better. That was something we hadn't seen. Now we have seen it. He's seen it, and he'll know how to adjust accordingly, meaning these are just the live reps we're talking about. It's just you can't put a price tag on experience. You just can't, and you can't really measure it, how important it is. And the good news is, and on that last play, the the Benson touchdown, um, Rodemaker checked into that. He, it was a two-call play, uh, so there were two calls that he could have made. He checked into the one that scored the game-winning touchdown for Florida State. So clearly he's seeing it pretty well, and he's old and he's experienced, and that's that's all well and good. It's just that jump from Florida to Louisville, um, I'm expecting a pretty sizable one, but it also needs to be because Louisville's a better football team. Yeah, I was going to say, how much of it do you think cancels each other out or whatever? Like, we, we do expect we'll see, we'll see a better Tate Rodemaker, better offense. And not that Louisville's, you know, the 85 Bears or anything. We're not trying to say that. But do you think it's enough? Like, will it mitigate that growth that we'll see? Or uh, how, do you, how do you interpret that? No, I, I think uh, Louisville's defense is is pretty good. They've got a, they've got a nice defensive line. they got the one player that has 10 or 11 sacks. He's, he's really impressive. But look, man, they gave up 30 to Virginia. I think they gave up 30 to Miami. Mm. Uh, they just gave up. Well, I was going to say 38 to Kentucky, but it was 31. They gave up a kick return. Um, they're, they're better than Florida. Certainly, statistically, they're better than Florida. But I think playing in a neutral site, which will probably be more pro-Florida State. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a neutral site against a not-rival <laughs> when you've already gone 12-0, and I think the pressure loosens up. And Louisville's defense isn't that much better, you know what I mean, than Florida's. Mm. It is better. But I, I think that the environment – in the stakes, and I know they're big stakes this week. I get it, but if you lose to Louisville and Charlotte with your backup quarterback, you still had an awesome season. Ah, why are you going down that road? People don't want us to go down that road. Don't go down that road. No, I, I'm saying it is if you're looking at it from a how's how's your quarterback or your whole team going to handle the pressure of a moment? It would have been so much worse for the season to come to an end against a five and six sorry rival. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. that's its own pressure to not lose this game <laughs> to this program, to this sticky team. That is that is its own pressure that comes with that, and you're free of that now. And, yeah, I think you have, uh, you know, whatever it was, 55 plays, 55 scrimmage plays, 60 scrimmage plays to look at, go, dissect, and correct. And I think he makes – he should, anyway, make a pretty tangible jump from this game to that game, to the game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I think they had 60 offensive snaps, and he was in for 57 of them because he missed the one series, if I'm not mistaken. And, two, so. and what, two were two were kneel downs. 
so really, three, fifty. I think. It was two kneel downs or three kneel I downs. I think they. I don't think Florida called a timeout after the one. Oh, yeah, by yeah, the yeah. way, we got to get Norvell to quit. I know it doesn't matter in the three grand kneels, scheme of things. Three kneels. Yeah, three was kneels. it? Well, he, he did the one running around thing to bleed. Yeah, North why Clark. are we doing that? They, yeah. they, you're not. You're already up nine, and they're not going to get the ball back mathematically. Quit, quit yeah. robbing yourself of 11 yards. <laughs> you know, just, just go take an, you know, one yard. Lose one yard here, one yard there. Not 11. Yeah. You already had an 11-yard, a couple 11-yard losses in that game. Um, so, so, yeah, he ran 55 plays, essentially, from scrimmage. That's not a ton. He ran three in the first quarter. So that's another thing. Like I, I feel like this game will play out more like a normal football game where your offense doesn't just have – because once you have the ball, once you, you're you in 14 minutes left in the half and you've only run three plays from scrimmage, there's its own weight that comes from that. Like it, it's like, like Atkins said on Monday, like it, it adds more importance Maybe more more than actually is the case to the game to to those series. It puts more emphasis on those plays because you don't have many, and it makes it you know it just. I think if you get in the constant, if you get in the flow of a normal game where you're not going like I don't know, man, thirty minutes of real time and running three plays, I think you 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 get more comfortable quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as as Norvell and Atkin, well Norvell mainly. Um, you know, he said, I think his direct quote was that, you know, after getting sacked, to go down 12 nothing, and then leading a 90-yard drive, in that he said the throw to Bell was when, like, yeah, this kid's a real one. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's a, that was his exact quote. I Like, this kid's a real one. And it's like, yeah, man, that, that throw in that moment to rip it like that, there's a, there's a lot to work with there, man. There's a lot to work with. And let's just see uh, what it looks like with another week of starter reps and a actual win in the swamp under his belt. Yeah, it was over the middle of the field. That's what you all wanted, yeah. right? You want to keep feasting on that sort of stuff. He had a couple. He had a couple to Johnny in the middle of the field, too. Yeah, I think Keon's, I think the big game yeah. that Keon yeah. had also. Jakai's kind of, fourth yeah. down catch, yeah. yeah. So look at that. A uh, little insider trading. We're going to have to make sure uh, Alex Atkins doesn't get reports at the SEC, but I, I guess he was telling us to also buy Brock Glenstock. What do you call Buddy, it, exceptional? I, I don't know about this. And I, they, this is going to sound like Corey being Debbie Downer again. So, if you guys remember the game, Brock Glenn comes in after the crazy hit on uh, Rodemaker. I believe there's, what, Aslan, at that moment, maybe four minutes left, four something right around four minutes left, and you're trying to run out the clock, essentially, on the game. And your freshman quarterback goes in. And I guess, you know, the way Atkins made it sound, Aslan – was that Brock Glenn checked to that sprint out throw. <laughs> that's what he that's what he said. That's what Man, he said. there is part of me, most of me, loves that. <laughs> it absol- I absolutely love that. Like talk about fearless, talk about undying self belief, talk about confidence in yourself. Like I can't even imagine a scenario where he's not only not urinating on his leg. He's saying, "Man, I'm gonna go. I'm. I want to go. I'm gonna go whip the ball around a little bit here, boys. Let's go have some fun." Well, Johnny Moxon in him. Yeah, I know we're two. We're two points ahead. We're trying to run out the clock. No, no, no. Brock Glenn's in now. It's throw time. And, and so he calls that essentially. I, I think there's either a run or you can check out into a sprint to the other side. And the ball gets batted down, so you can't run clock. And if it gets batted down or batted away in another direction, maybe it's picked. Um, it mostly, I love it. I love the self-confidence in that, but there's an element of, oh boy, you got to, I mean, oh, what, what is this kid about? Well, who is this kid? Because in the re- the only reason I bring it up is 
you know, the Clemson quarterback has done some very strange things this year that their fans might think cost them two games. Certainly a chance against Florida State and a chance against Miami, both in overtime, where he decided on his own to make a read that wasn't the right read. And Brock Glenn, Atkins admitted after the North Alabama game that the the run that he had to score the touchdown, he's not supposed to keep that. That's You hand it off 100% of the time. But Glenn kept it and scampered in and ran, and I'm, I'm sure they're not unhappy that he scored a touchdown. He got his first touchdown. But y- y- he might be a kid. And, and also, I want to say this. Atkins said – um, I, I don't know if he used the word incredible or he's exceptional. He's exceptional. About like yeah. he's going to be exceptional. That's exactly yeah. what he said. Yeah. We think he's going to be exceptional. And I do too. 92% of me loves that mindset of a kid in that moment, not being so unafraid that he wants to go win the game, not just not lose it in that moment. He hasn't taken a real snap in a year. He hasn't taken a meaningful snap since he was on the hills of Tennessee in some playoff game. And he's in the swamp with a two-point lead for a perfect team. And he decides in that moment to roll out to try to throw it, to get a first down and kind of ice the game or get get closer to icing the game. Uh, so 92% of me loves it. Hmm. 8% of me was like, what the blank? <laughs> so well, that's going to be something to monitor too because I, I love my quarterbacks with confidence, man. Clearly, I love them with confidence. And – You'd rather say, as a as a wise man once said, Aslan. Say it. You'd rather say woe than giddy up. Mm, mm, that's right. That's right. Uh, thoughts on the response from Coach Norvell when you asked him about the Jaden Daniels uh, victory as well in Death Valley, what it means. I don't know if he went down the road that you tried to illuminate for him and, right. and guide him I, down. He didn't. Um, but yeah, man, this this team again has two quality wins, quote unquote, over ranked teams. LSU's quarterback is definitely going to New York for the Heisman. I don't know if he's going to win it, but he's definitely going to be invited. And it's had an absolutely remarkable season, but did not have a remarkable night at all versus Florida State, especially in that second half. And then you're one of the few teams that goes into Clemson and beats them in their home field. Uh, where are we trying to go with that question, and how did, how did he deflect it? Well, the, the question is essentially like, um, you know, if Florida State beats Louisville, and again, everyone, it's an if. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is essentially a coin flip. Um, if if they go and beat Louisville, they're going to be 13-0, and and there's going to be – whether Alabama beats Georgia, Oregon beats Washington, whatever, there will be there will be people saying things about the Florida State 13-0 and and that it's not as impressive as some other teams 12 and 1 or whatever. It, you know, they might – maybe they – maybe they're – maybe Georgia loses – Washington loses, and it's Michigan 1, Florida State 2. Who knows? Or there might be a one-loss team ranked ahead of Florida State. Who knows all that? I do think they're in if they win, but those will be the talking points Saturday night and into Sunday morning is, oh, will they get jumped by this team and that team? And it's like, yeah, because uh, imagine if Florida State in on November 20th played LSU and was up 45-17 to 17 against the front run, Heisman frontrunner with a minute to go in the game. The talk would be about how great Florida State's defense is. But because it happened three months ago, it's not forgotten. It's still a big deal. But I don't think we, like we talked about yesterday, we don't appre- we didn't appreciate in the moment how great an effort that was by the defense, especially after the first drive, the, really the first play. I mean, uh, other than that, man, they gave up, they had another bus right before half. They were, ex- talk about exceptional. Mm-hmm. They were exceptional in that game, and I just 
I wonder if in the moment, after a 12-0 season, when you're reflecting on the, the regular season, if he took some time to appreciate, man, we shut Jaden Daniels down. He's, he's accounted for 50 touchdowns against the big, bad SEC. He had one against Florida State and was with a minute left, as Norvell pointed out, with a bunch of kids make, playing their first college play. That's, their one, that's the one touchdown Jaden Daniels got against Florida State. And, as he said when, I, when he was talking about Clemson, he said, I had a good feeling, or he said, I didn't think anybody else was going to go in there and win. Because nobody does. Clemson's lost two times in Death Valley in the last, like, six years. Well, you could also say twice in the last year. I mean, as well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant ACC games. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've lost. Yeah, because they lost to South Carolina. You're right. Jaheim Bell owns that he place. He does. He does. He's, I'm he's, standing on business is what he tweeted yeah, that day. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, so they've lost. I think they're, like, 37-2 and two in their last 39 ACC home games. And one of them happened three months ago, and they're eight and four. Now they're not a great Clemson team. That offense is a wreck, but that's a good win, and it didn't feel like a good win at the time. And in September, early September, it didn't feel like you suffocate or slow down the he- the, the Heisman Trophy winner. But as we sit here rolling almost into December, it's kind of what you did, and it'd be cool if people around the country realized that. But it happened in September. So maybe people don't put as much weight on that as they should. Vitamergy.com, promo code WordChant, BOGO, WordChant, B-O-G-O. First-time customers use that and buy an item and get one of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. Vitamin Energy is energy with benefits. Benefits are the vitamins, the nutrients, the antioxidants, things that help your focus get a little bit better, help your mood get a little bit better, help your workouts get a little bit better. I think even more than 1%. You know, I'm just saying. I know that's yeah. that's our daily goal out there on right. the practice field, the Al Dunlap practice facility, but I think it's more than 1%. And that's because there's 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine and no sugar, so no sugar crash, none of that kind of crash jitter feeling. It's all right there in the vitamin energy shot. Uh, 1.93 fluid ounces, shake it and take it. We uh, made a pit stop, Ira and I, coming back from Gainesville, and one of the competitors was on the rack at the, uh, the Busy Bee. And it was like five bucks for their one little measly shot that doesn't even have as much juice, as much caffeine as the vitamin energy, and doesn't have any of the nutrients or the antioxidants. So, I mean, even without the BOGO code, you all know, you've been back to the website, you've ordered a second time. It's like a buck seventy nine a shot or something it works out to. So, if you haven't done so, use the promo code WORCHAMBOGO, yep. B-O-G-O. Shaking and take it, vitaminergy.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Defensively, Corey. What did you think of the Brock Glenn revelation, by the way? I was, did, did that perk your ears up a little bit? Like, wait, he did what? That was a y'all, y'all didn't call that? He did that on his own? Oh, I thought you meant like pretty much. No, Atkins I meant because Atkins well, doesn't that hand too, out a That's lot of, very telling. Yeah. What Atkins said is very telling. I was I was kind of blown away. I was like the 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 cojones, the onions yeah. on that kid to do that because it it was not a good play. And like and you figured Atkins would maybe not want to share that with us because it did not turn out to be a very successful play. 
Uh, but like he was almost amused by it. Yes, like, he to, was. To your point about like man. amazed, yeah. amazed by it almost. Yeah. yeah. So um, if, if Alex Atkins is cool with it, well, then gosh darn it, I'm going to be cool with it too. So, mm. but him just talking about the way he's prepared, he takes every rep yeah. uh, live, even he's not behind center. He's looking at, it, he's visualizing it on Monday. Uh, he already saw Brock up there with his backpack on after class, trying to know what the game plan was going to be for Louisville. Right. So, said he challenges tow cars a lot with questions and trying mm-hmm. to know the why of why they're doing stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe it is going to work out after all the, uh, the with that three star quarterback. He was a four star at one point. They took away his fourth star. I don't know why. But I think I think the reason it's relevant is because no matter what happens the rest of, uh, in December, you know we're we're going to have a QB competition on our hands mm-hmm. probably in. Yeah. It, it's probably going to be between the guy that's playing now and Brock Glenn. Yeah, you know, there's guys, in the, there's going to be guys flying into the portal. There are they, the Kansas State guys in there, the Mississippi State guys in there. We we know there's going to be portal options, maybe. Luke Croman Hawks showing up. Yeah. So, there, but you know, right now those are your two main guys, and I I just thought that was very very telling and insightful. Mostly awesome, a little bit scary. <laughs> But mostly awesome that, that you have a freshman quarterback that, that has that kind of self-belief in himself. Uh, for a second year, Florida State does have a Broyles Awards semifinalist. Uh, but unfortunately, for the second year in a row, they do not have a finalist, finalist for yeah. the Broyles Award. The, uh, def- the, the finalists were announced yesterday. Mike Bobo, OC for Georgia. Phil Parker, defensive coordinator for Iowa. Mike Denbrock, offensive coordinator for LSU. Uh, Will Stein, the offensive coordinator for Oregon, and Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator for America's team in Ann Arbor, yeah. University of Michigan Wolverines, uh, the five that made the cut. So Adam Fuller um, won't be it's part got, of the finalists. It's got to be the Iowa guy, right? Somebody tweeted, uh, the Mark Ennis guy from Louisville, would Iowa ever win a single game without Phil Parker? I was going to say, <laughs> that guy, I mean, he he should be the head coach. Yeah. Like it's, Or he should be paid more than the head coach. It's a it's amazing what that defense does year in and year out, week in and week out. Because, they again, it's not just that they're really good. We've seen really good defenses kind of falter once they realize their offense just completely sucks and it's not fair. Why do we keep doing this? They're never going to score. That Iowa defense, I think they they love that their offense is terrible. Like, it it it, it, it buoys them somehow. Um, it's really amazing how, how good they are on that side of the ball always with such a such a bad offense yeah. that never helps them. Is there anybody more confident in the Moore Center than Adam Fuller right now? Corey, he just – he – Yeah, he exudes it, doesn't he? He does, man. And that's it. Take your victory lap. You've earned it. Yeah. Well, for sure. They're good, man. They're good. They, You know, he's the one that's had the most questions. Um, and that goes with the territory, man. Like, you know, you're the defensive coordinator at Florida State. If you're the defensive coordinator at Florida, LSU, clearly, um, every every big-time school, that's part of the job is people question you um, when you when you have a coordinator job at a big school. But, man, he is really deli- – especially after the last two games last year. But you see what a difference – uh, a strong, a stronger anyway, defensive line makes. Mm. Like last year, you had Jared Verse, and that was really about it. Patrick Payton sh- showed flashes, but this year, look at what you have, man. That that defensive line has changed the whole nature of the defense. And uh, yeah, they've done a remarkable job. And their passing, their passing defense has been, uh, you know, remarkable all year. It's been mm. great all year long, all year long.
my favorite part of Monday's press conference was, you know, you you did a story, I think, on this going into the season about just the absurd amount of experience Florida State ha- had on the offensive line, right? Like the, just the amount of starts, yeah, snaps, games, uh, playing in some big time, you know, programs. If your guy like Keandre Jones playing at Auburn, um, but I like to hear the way that Adam Fuller kind of contextualized the veterans, the amount of experience and maturity he has, and he talked about like they're at a point now. Where you know they they had those first few drives, Florida, where they converted some of those third downs. I also like how he said they gave it to him. I think he said like yeah. twice, like they, as in the referees, right, gave yeah. them that touchdown. That was kind of cool, but which he, was true. But yeah, yeah go ahead. It is. But just the way that he talked about, they're at a point now where I mean, the reason that they're so successful is when they get off the field, those guys. It's not like calm down anymore. It's not like calm down or like hey, we need to we need to play with more energy. Like they're governed themselves well enough they've comported themselves well enough that when they get on the sideline it's like all right this is what we've talked about all week long and this is what we need to be doing these are the keys let's stick to it or it's okay they're doing this now this is how we have to respond is everybody cool with it and it's like after he delivers that message he walks away and they're talking to each other all the players and giving themselves the adjustments and like hey like make sure you're you know keying in on this like the fact that you've got guys that can kind of self-govern themselves to that degree I mean, that's probably a large reason why we see them continually just suffocate these teams, I think, in the second half, right? Yeah, that really stood out to me, too, because I remember watching a uh, – I was watching a Kirby post-game press conference, maybe after the Tennessee game, because um, Tennessee scored on the first play of the game, like an 80-yard oh, yeah. touchdown yeah. run. Yeah. Uh, that place is going nuts. And it also wasn't the first time Georgia had given up a touchdown on their opening drive. I think, in fact, like maybe five or six times this year, maybe more. Georgia has given up a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. It's pretty remarkable um, considering how good they are. And Kirby was talking about it. He's like, look, man, they practice. He's talking about his own team. They practice so hard, and they know they're good. And so when something like that happens, I don't worry about them panicking because they know they're going to get – they know they're going to play well. They just go back to the huddle or go back to the sideline. They talk. We make adjustments if we have to, but there's never any panic. There's never any, oh, God, we can't stop them. It's just like, yeah, there's a lot of football left, and we're better than they are, and we're eventually going to figure them out, and they're not going to be able to move the ball on us. They have a quiet – well, it's not quiet, I'm sure, in Athens. They have a confidence about themselves on that side of the ball with good reason, well-earned, very good coach, all those five stars. So they're confident in themselves. Well, Florida State's defense has earned that confidence too. If they give up a touchdown or two or can't get off the field in the first quarter against Louisville, well, they've they've been there and done that. Like, almost every game this year, a team has had a drive where it be, or two drives where it felt like they had the ball for half a quarter or more. That's happened a lot, and eventually they kind of throttle the opposing offense, and it does help when you have that experience for sure, like just the overall age maturity of that group. But it also helps that they have the experience of, we've done this before. Hmm. There is no need to panic. We've been down by double figures at, at Clemson. We've been down by double figures in the swamp. We, were, we, get, we, we got down to LSU in the second, in the second quarter. Uh, down to Boston College by two scores. Like, they've lived this life. Duke, too, I think. Yeah. They've lived this life, and they know eventually, they believe in themselves that they're going to right the ship. There's absolutely no panic. That comes with being a mature veteran senior group, sure, a bunch of 22-year-olds. It also comes with them living that, living that life of the last 12 weeks, knowing that eventually they're going to take over and dominate the game. And now they got one more chance to do it on Saturday night. Georgia had allowed opening touchdown drives in six 
consecutive games until Georgia Tech. And then they didn't they get down to Georgia Tech too, seven to zero. Not I'm not 100 sure. But uh, it wasn't the first touchdown. It wasn't the first drive. Right, but it was I an think, opening like, drive. Right. I think Georgia turned it over on their first drive, and then Georgia Tech went in on their second drive. So it that is insanity. <laughs> That's crazy. Is that true? Six straight drives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then what well, you look at the end of those games. Those te- like Tennessee scored one more touch, maybe didn't even score another touchdown. Uh Georgia Tech didn't score another touchdown until the fourth quarter. Like they, they just have a w- they're fine with it. It's like it's almost like it sets up the offense to get a little uh big. I don't know, maybe they do it in- intentionally to make the games more fun. Um but it's that's a remarkable stat that they the best team in the country, one of the best defenses in the country for sure anyway has gave up touchdowns on six straight opening drives. I'm seeing conflicting information. It might have been five. It's either oh. five or six. But in any event, that's just absurd. A lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That and a Kirby lot. not worrying about it. Like, Kirby being like, yeah, man, we're okay. Like, you watch him when they come off the field. After they give up a touchdown, he's always clapping, saying, we'll be okay, we'll be okay. Like, almost their, his hands up. Like, you're fine, you're fine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that always bears itself out. I meant to do this at the top of the show, probably need to like all week long, but just so people know, Daryl Jackson will not be available mm. this weekend in Charlotte. Uh, there's, I mean, there's like daily, there's threads over on the warchant.com tribal council about it. So he'll be eligible once the semester turns over. The semester won't turn over until after for like another 10 days or so, I think. So uh, he, he will not be part of the, the plan this weekend, but um He's waiting, to, he's waiting yeah, in the wings. Yeah, and he and he's been practicing all year. For the people that don't know, he's certainly given that offensive line a lot of good looks. But um, you know, if they do make the playoff, man, not only do they get Daryl Jackson added to that group, uh, Rob Scott's probably playing. Mm. Like the way Alex Atkins talks about Rob Scott, he sounded like he could have played any of the last two or three weeks. I mean, we'll believe it when we see it. But you know, losing your starting left tackle, like an All ACC candidate, second team All ACC last year, played a bunch of football, probably your best lineman. Not having him really all season, that's been a big deal. But if you can get through Louisville, and maybe he plays against Louisville, I have no idea. Maybe he is ready now to completely play and be healthy. But you got to imagine the way they talk about him. Even if he can't play against Louisville, with four weeks off, he would absolutely play in that in the playoff game. Mm. Well, that, that'll help things. Your offensive line looks more like the offensive line you thought you'd have to begin the year. And you're also getting um, a really good defensive tackle uh, that's fresh if you get to the playoff as well. Yeah, I was saying, what, like, I, I got to protect Rob from himself. Like, Rob will, wants to play no matter what, but I got to protect him. And I don't, the Bless Harrison is the weirdest thing to me. I, I don't think they wear green jerseys, the offensive linemen, when they're hurt. They don't know, but like I've never seen bless like in the last I don't know, you know I know we can't talk about injuries I don't want to go like too far down the line but I, I I've never been under the assumption that he's been really hurt so I, I mean I wonder what it could just be a performance thing like they think Byers is better and they like Darius out there more he, was, he obviously loves Darius I and mean, he was yeah. saying that with Darius like maybe one of the best guys they they have in that room right now so well he said it was one of it might have been his best game okay right yeah. Um, so, so, it, but yes, I do. He, they all love Darius because he can play literally any position. And if Maurice goes down, that was the question was if Maurice, cause Maurice got banged up in that game. He got rolled up on in his ankle. He gutted through it because that's what that kid does. Uh, he just gut, that, that should be his nickname. He just guts through, he's going to gut through his entire career at Florida state, Maurice Smith. I hope, I hope everyone appreciates the big intestine. Program. Can we just call him the, the big oh, intestine? Okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, because he's got intestinal fortitude. There we go. Sure. Um, 
so, but if he weren't able to go, or if he got rolled up on again, because he's been, you know, he's been kind of helped off the, each of the last two games, um, and didn't look good against Miami. Anyway, if he can't go, Darius moves to center, and that's when Atkins said that Bless Harris and Rob Scott would be available. Hmm. So again, do with that what you will. It sounds like they're getting closer to like having the full eight guys that they want. Um, but we'll again, we'll see on Saturday night in Charlotte. And shout out to you for I think starting off yesterday's podcast, and I was you know trying to talk about the how well the defense played. I, I think it was good to see Jared Verse finally you know produce at that amateurish level of a guy like I don't want to say he wasn't playing amateurish, but like me being an amateur, being like I want to see sacks. Like that's how I'm right. gauging production uh, to see him make those those sacks in the TFLs. But you were like, man, I thought Akeem Dent played really really great, and then Coach Norvell and Fuller both talked about. Uh, just how well he's been playing. So, uh, you know, good job there, Corey Clark. Not that we're ever in doubt about your your prowess, but, you know. Well, I'm incredibly bright. Plus, P, uh, uh, PFF told me. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> um, but, no, man, Akeem Dent was all over the place, especially in the first half, and he made, you know, some of those tackles. It's not just the sack he almost had that somehow ended up being a completion. I mean, he, I thought that was going to be another Deloach play. He comes from the the side, hits him as he's throwing it. The ball goes straight up in the air, and they almost convert the first down on it. He was short by half a yard uh, in the second quarter. But um, not only that sack and the sack that was taken away because he was he tackled the kid too hard, uh, he was making plays in the open field against really good dudes. Like Etienne and uh, oh, who's number? Montrell who's Johnson. Montrell yeah. Johnson. Those guys are legit. Yeah. They don't get tackled in the open field very often. And Akeem Dent getting you know getting him by an ankle or standing him up those were huge plays in that game because Florida schemes some things open where it's one on one and they usually make guys miss and Akeem Dent just played I thought I thought his best game well I think Norvell said it on Monday the best yeah. game since he's been at Florida State so that was yeah that was cool to see he did grade out at ninety one point four come get some so. P I should be one of these PFF <laughs> film graders I'm not gonna sit there and watch every play I'll just I'll spitball it. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that, that's awesome for Akeem. His final—I mean, that's his final regular season game. His final game against Florida. He's a kid that was here for Taggart. He was a kid that he was here in. Uh, wasn't he there in nineteen? Yeah, yeah. Because we made fun of him because he—I think he dropped a pick in that game. Because that's what he used to do. Uh, and then he had some really down years. He—he he, and then you know whenever it was twenty-one where he joined the backfield as a safety kind of full time and they stopped rotating in you know the Sidney Williamses and the Travis Jays as much he locked down that he helped lock down that defense he helped solidify it he's not a he's not an all-time great he's not going to win the Thorpe award his name and jersey aren't going to number aren't going to be retired anything like that but man when you think about the important pieces of the Florida State resurgence don't lose sight of that kid and what he meant to the back end of the defense because Remember when it used to be every game, every quarter, there'd be dudes just running free, <laughs> running free in the middle of your TV screen with no Florida State guys in sight. Akeem Dent mostly got rid of that, and it just helps to have a guy that's that uh, mature, uh, veteran, experienced, and he's been a he's been a really important piece of the uh, the Florida State what rebuild, I guess. MyBookie.ag, promo code WARCHANT. That's a promo code that'll get you a 110% instant cash deposit bonus. Live betting, live casino, futures, etc. It's all there at MyBookie.ag. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. That's a slogan. That's a tagline. Florida State 
with the seventh best odds to win the college football playoff national championship. Corey, they were at one point plus 950 at the height of Jordan Travis's reign, dropped to plus 3,000 after last week's you know, developments. They're now plus 2,500. Okay, slowly but surely, gang. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Michigan odds on favorite, and then Georgia, and then Oregon, then Bama, then Texas, then Washington. I think it's because Georgia has to play Bama. Georgia's not guaranteed to get in. Right. Um, if well, they there's Michigan. I always talked about the the greatness of uh, – I mean, come on, man. What what do you think the race is to in that game? Eight? Seven. <laughs> eight. Like, as long as Michigan scores eight points, they're going to win that game. Um, so – yeah, I think that's because Georgia has to beat Alabama and then would still have to beat two good teams in the playoffs. So they their playoff kind of, depending on how it all shakes out, well, Florida State too. The playoff, if you want to look at it another way, gang, instead of saying, will they make the playoff or not, Florida State is in the Elite Eight right now. Look at it that way. And to get to the Final Four, they have to win this Saturday. If they don't, they won't. So this is an Elite Eight game. It's a quarterfinal game. It's that way for Georgia, Alabama. It's that way for Washington, Oregon. It's that way for Florida State. It's that way for Michigan, probably. Texas, Oklahoma Texas, State too. Too. So there's, I mean, I know that's five teams we just mentioned. Somebody's going to get left out. But there are four to five, let's just say five Elite Eight corner final games uh, this weekend. And Florida State's in it, which is awesome. Anyway, go ahead with the ad read, Aslan. Sorry. That's a wrap. Corey crushed oh. it. Go to mybookie.ag. Promo code WARCHANT. Ohio State's still on that list somehow, Corey. That's crazy. Uh, how, how would that happen? How, how would that happen? I don't even. He was asked that after the loss. I, I think I yeah. told you. And it, it, he was like, I, I haven't even thought about that. And then, like, the wheels start turning. And he's like, well, I probably should kind of politic and, and, you know, campaign right now. And he's like, you know, I don't know what's all got to happen out there, but I know that we can compete with anybody. And I was like, well, that's great, man. A lot of teams yeah. out there can compete with anybody, but you just lost. Uh, your biggest test, so you move to the back of the line. Or not the back of the line, but, you know, 10th, 11th spot in the line. Right, so. and they, they're not going. What's they're not funny, playing any more football games either. Yeah, they're done. They're done with the season. They have no ways to impress. And even if Michigan loses to Iowa, how in the world would Ohio State jump Michigan? Yeah. And how in the world would Alabama jump Texas if they beat Georgia? But what I think is comical about well, that's easier, the whole – it Kind of, but is it? Because the way I look at it is – you know, you're going to tell me, and I and I don't disagree when you have a backup quarterback um, that did not look all that great. The offense certainly struggled. We can all agree to that. I'm not being negative. They certainly struggled against a bad defense on Saturday night. But so you would tell me that Florida State playing Alabama right now, Alabama would be the favorite. Uh, I think I agree Probably, with that. Yeah. I think yeah, they on would a neutral be site, yeah. correct. And I think that if Alabama beats Georgia, the right argument to make would be. Alabama's better than Florida State. In the rules of the College Football Committee, or are, if you're, it's the rewarding the four best teams, not the four most deserving, which has always been stupid. It's such a stupid edict. Yeah, you, I thought but, you were Mr. Most Deserving. Because like, no, that's what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. think their, their quote-unquote, the four best teams mm. was the mistake they made nine years ago. Okay, okay. It should be the four most deserving teams. And my point being, so let's say – Alabama didn't complete that fourth and 31 pass. <laughs> yeah. And then they beat Georgia in Atlanta. They'd still be favored over Florida State. You could still say they're better than Florida State. But why wouldn't they be in, Aslan? Two losses, two L's. The, so the record matters, yeah. except when it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, what, what does it matter that they have two losses or four losses? Are they better than Florida State in your eyes? 
That's that's what I that's why that argument is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Alabama beats Georgia. They're probably in the playoff. Georgia's probably out. And it all came down to a fourth and thirty-one play against Auburn. <laughs> you know what? I, th- yeah. But but if they don't complete that, then Georgia could lose this game and not have really a worry. Um, and that's what's so just frustrating and goofy about it is if Alabama had two losses, nobody would make the argument that they would deserve to jump Florida State if they beat Georgia. But because they completed the fourth and 31 play, now they do deserve it. And it's like, look, man, either the, the, if either the record matters or it doesn't. Either the zero means something or it doesn't. And I looked it up because I was angry. In the power five, in, since the playoffs started, College football playoffs started in 2014. There's been one Power 5 team that's been undefeated and had one lost teams ranked ahead of it in the history of it. And it was 2014, and we all know which team that was. Since then, no undefeated Power 5 team has ever had a one-loss team even ranked ahead of it, much less kept them out. Cincinnati's the only undefeated playoff team that had any one-loss teams ahead of it, but that was Cincinnati, and they were the four, and that made sense. And I think maybe Ohio State in 2020 – but Ohio State had five, where well, they were five and zero, so that was a whole goofy thing anyway. But other than COVID, there's been one undefeated team in the Power Five that's ever had a one-loss team ranked ahead of it. It was Florida State nine years ago, and now Florida State fans are hearing all the bullshit again. Sorry, earmuffs, kids. Bleep that, I guess, if you want Aslan. And that's what that even I haven't listened to Rosillo's pod, but he's like thirteen and zero Florida State in danger when he tweets it out, and I'm like, what are y'all talking about? They're talking about best. Talking about? They think it's yeah. best, right? But it's then. Then why would the second loss matter? Because why? I mean, two what, is what unforgivable. If, is it? We've it's had teams either, with one loss win. We've only had one two loss team ever win the whole thing, right? Like in the last 50, 60 years. It was well, LSU two thousand seven. Well, sure, and we've only had one undefeated team get ranked behind one loss teams. But it does happen, and I guess my my what's funny is that two losses. Why is that? A, either you're the best. You think you're one of the best teams, or you're not. And it's just crazy that because they completed that pass against a 6-6 six and six Auburn team, they needed a miracle against a basically the same caliber of team that Florida State just beat. Because they completed it, now if they win on Saturday, they're in and they're better than you. In some people's eyes, I'm talking about. Right. right. That's why it should have always been most deserving. Because, I, you know, Alabama probably, they would certainly stay on the field with Florida State. Let's just put it that way. Um, they are they are a good team. That would be a coin flip. Alabama would be favored, but at some point, the zero matters and should matter. And it ain't like Florida State played in the whack, or not even is that even a thing anymore? The, I think the Sun Western, Belt. I think the Western Athletic Conference is still around. Yeah, they didn't play in the Sun Belt, man. They played in a real conference. And oh yeah, they scheduled LSU in Florida for their non-conference. So miss me with all that. Florida State wins on Saturday. They're in this, but that's why this is so cool. It feels like you're in the playoffs right now. The playoffs have begun, and that's a pretty cool thing. Chances, odds, give me a percentage number that Michigan's number one at 7.15 p.m. tonight. Mm. I mean, I think they'd be the only team that has a win over a top five team, if that makes sense. Because I don't think Alabama was top five when Texas beat them. I don't think LSU was number five. Was were they? They weren't number five when we. Yeah, beat they, them. Were. were yeah, they? they were. Were they? Right. Yeah, when they beat them. But they're not number five now, and I don't. I guess they count more about what they are now. But I don't know, man. I would. I'm rooting for it, right? We should root for that because then, well, actually, maybe not because we'll probably be third, depending on what happens in the big. So if the Pac-12 championship, if the favorites win, 
this weekend. And again, Florida State is a three and a half point favorite gang. They're I not just five and a half. Is it moving down? I think I saw it at three and a half. I, mm-hmm. I it, this isn't Duke and thirteen. Uh, they are. This is a three and a half point game. Um, if all the favorites win, I think it would be Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon. But I guess there's a theory or a chance that <clears throat> Oregon could jump Florida State. No which would be way. idiotic. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. Um, so I think that would be the scenario would be Georgia would be one because they just beat Alabama. Michigan beat, you know, a team that uh, if Iowa had 14 guys on offense, it might be competitive. Um, so it would be Georgia, Michigan, I think Florida State, um, and then Oregon, Washington would be. I guess if Washington wins – then Florida State's four. Yeah, so in right? that in that scenario, but, it's like I, I said the that. favorite though because Washington is not favored. They're Correct. underdog by nine half points. Yeah, well, yeah. But if the, let me phrase it another way: if all four undefeated teams win, Washington, Florida State will be the four, which would be absolutely fair. If Michigan, but you you still have I would Georgia not. No, one, I'd still I'd have Georgia one. Uh, and I mean, if they yeah. beat Alabama, then yeah, I think yeah, they would deserve yeah. to. Even if they get behind ranked behind Michigan this week, I think they would re-jump them. Um, the, the following week. I wonder if they'll do that just for ratings or just to give it like a little bit of a wrinkle is to put Michigan one tonight. Um, just, hey, just for that one week, you know, just so people have something to talk about. Something's changed. And like, you could make the argument that they deserve to after the Ohio state game and they don't have their own head. They have another head coach the last three weeks. They go into happy Valley. And for whatever reason, Penn state's still going to be ranked like in the top eight, maybe top nine. So um, I'm rooting for that. And then it'd be nice to play them instead of Georgia. Not scared of Georgia, but just would rather not have to face them early on. Rather right. Get them. A, let somebody else do your dirty work. Yeah. Get them. Yeah, I, I get you. Soften man. them I, up a little bit, you know? Yeah. The best case scenario for Florida State to have any shot at a national championship, and you guys know that it's it got appreciably harder when you lost the starting quarterback, would be to face Georgia last. No. You don't want to match up them, the, the, uh, you know, New Year's Day or whenever that would be. I guess it's January 1st are yeah, those games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you would want to play Michigan or Oregon or Washington or anybody else but uh, Georgia. But first things first, you need to beat Louisville. And if you don't beat Louisville, you weren't going to beat Georgia. <laughs> so that that's that's what's on the line here. I, I, I Again, I keep coming back to that. Um, I, I just – and I don't want to lose sight of it, especially because apparently we were negative on Monday's show. But, man, I just love I, – I, this time of year is so much fun when, you, when you're when covering a team like this oh, and yeah. talking about a team oh, like this. Yeah. It's really neat, man, and I missed it. It's been literally like even though Florida State was good in 15 and 16, they were out of any playoff contention by the middle of September, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Not maybe in 15, but in 16 they absolutely were. So, you know, 2015, I think they won their first six or seven games yeah. and the crazy loss to Georgia Tech. That ended any hopes. So well, they no, haven't been so, in this spot. You were okay, but then you knew you weren't going to beat Clemson in Death Valley. So. Right, right. Especially if you could – same thing. If you could lose to Georgia Tech. You're, yeah. you're, and they, they played Clemson much closer in that game than I thought they would, honestly, in 15. Yeah, and Dalvin scored, like, on the first play of the game, I think? Yeah, or he had, an 80, he had like, an 80-yard run and another yeah. big run and his hamstring gave out, and then they made a big fourth-down stop on Dalvin later in the game with, with Smag at quarterback. But, um, but yeah, they were in that game the whole time. It was tw- I think it was 23-20 until – Two minutes left in the game. Um, but, yeah, so I just love this, man. I love that we're talking about this. Tell like, me about it. It, it just, it's really cool, and I, I don't want to lose sight of that. Um, and what's even cool – well, it's not even cooler, but what fills you with hope as we move on past – because this season's going to end, folks. 
It's not going to end on Saturday whether they win or lose, although if they lose, I, I don't know what that participation chart will look like in the bowl game. Let's just put it that way because that's life, the reality of 2023 college football. But, you know, so there's a chance that this Florida State team, the last time it looks like itself and is itself, if they don't win, is Saturday. And I, I hope they win. I'm really rooting for them, I promise. But either way, man, how awesome is it that they're here again? that they're doing this, and on top of that, they built a culture that's made this a destination venue where you right now have a top-five recruiting class, you're still in the running for super-duper five-star-plus recruits, and the portal's open. And well, not looking, technically, but... Right, but the portal is being filled yeah. to when uh, they're going to release the hounds, I don't know, in a couple days. And December 4th, if I'm not mistaken. So two days after the championship games right like yeah. that Monday yeah and yeah. man just think about all the calls that this coaching staff is going to get from very very good players because of this season it's just it's all it's neat it's awesome this isn't this isn't a two-year wonder I feel like they're built for the long haul might not be as good next year because they're not going to have some seriously good players that they're losing to, to the draft and the quarterback the quarterback that you, you guys all it. loved right but Man, this program is set up, I think, for a good long run, and it's it's cool to it's cool to be in this conversation again. Like I go into next year, Aslan, no matter what happens, these next two games, they're a playoff contender next year in my mind. Oh, with twelve teams, yeah, Tw- absolutely uh-huh. right. Like I don't think they're going to be they're not going to be undefe- I don't think they're going to be undefeated going into game thirteen next year, but they won't have to be. I think they could be ten and two, yeah. and if they're ten and two, they're right there in the middle of the hunt. For a playoff spot, and they could be perennial playoff contenders, which is awesome, and I'm excited. Haven't seen anybody too sexy jump in the portal yet. Uh, I think some offensive lineman from some school out west. I think is. I think Notre Dame. Notre Dame had an offensive lineman jump in. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, buddy. Oh, as I scroll through Twitter to find that out, don't forget Friday ACC championship weekend meet and greet at Resident Culture. South End location, 332 West Blanchard in Charlotte, starting at 6 o'clock. This is a Charlotte Seminole Club production. We're going to crash it and be there and hang out. So uh, come shake hands with Corey and myself. Jeff Cameron's going to be there. Irish O'Fell. Maybe Matt Lasser will step aside from getting crazy with his buddies and, and uh, hang out with you all. So looking forward to seeing all your faces. But I did see in the group chat with you and, uh, and Ira and myself, apparently when you say Treshawn Ward's back out there, yeah, and uh, he is, and, you know, I was thinking about it. I don't know that it's – I guess it's happened before. It's a new day. Would he – could he – he absolutely – I know he can. Yeah. Would he transfer back? I think they take him back. That felt like he was one of the guys I think they got, like, the farewell endorsement from Norvell on the way out. Oh, like, yeah, no, Norvell spoke so highly of him after he left um, that I think they would take him back if there's room for him. Um and, you, you know, what's Benson going to do? Because he's still got eligibility left. I think Kaziah still has eligibility left. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Toa Feely has eligibility left. And Rodney Hill's just a sophomore. But, you know, when you look at these other running backs, you know, and again, Rodney Hill might win the Doak Walker Award next year. I'm not giving up on that kid by any means. But he wasn't anything close to what Treshawn Ward was in 21 and 22. Mm. Not even close. So that was you. Lo- you know, when we talk about the running game, Benson's Benson, Toa Feely's Toa Feely. Well, the difference between Ward and Rodney Hill, in my opinion, 
uh, is pretty substantial right now, or at least was. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they, you know, Benson's leaving and they could be like, hey, man, you could come here and get your 12 carries a game again. We need you. We need somebody that hits it hard, that's violent and, mm-hmm. and hits holes hard. We need that. And uh, you know maybe he's maybe they would think about bringing him back. I thought that was very very interesting that he's back in the portal. And then uh, his quarterback, the Kansas State quarterbacks in the portal, Will Howard or something like that. Will or? Howard, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's started kidding. four years. He's a, huh. he's accounted for sixty touchdowns. The Mississippi State kids in the portal, Will Rogers, uh, yeah, yep. The uh, and I don't know if you would want either one of those, quite honestly, over what you'd be bringing back. Um, and then uh, yeah, I said the Notre Dame offensive lineman. Uh, Chris Tyree from Notre Dame, who I think must be pretty good because I know his name. Uh, he's running in the back. Por- he's he's in the portal. Back. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's going to be – last year was crazy. This year will be even crazier. So, uh, hold on to your butts, everyone, because it starts, uh, what, in six days. Yeah. Boise State had a really good receiver that I think sat out maybe the last few games but might have played when they got rid of their coach, but he's officially in the portal. Eric McAllister has got – 1,100 receiving yards, nine touchdowns in two years out there in Boise. Okay. Um, Where's he from? I don't know. I don't know. You know my guy from Virginia, that quarterback's from Lakewood, from uh, the home of uh, Jeff Cameron's alma mater? Yeah. Yeah. He, do, uh, he must have thrown passes to Deuce Span, I would think, or yeah. play, played at least. He might have been the quarterback that took over after Deuce left. Yeah. Zeke Carell's a center from Deuce Notre Dame, by the way. Okay. Did he play? I go, hey, this is what – guys, get ready. This is just a preview of what all of December is going to be, just especially me. before they start start practicing. It's just going to be us running down the transfer portal list and seeing if there's any connection. Rattling names off here. Um, Orlando Sentinels reporting that uh, Florida's gone ahead and fired their defensive line coach and defensive backs coach. So that's how things are in Gainesville right now. And they're not going to play any more football games this year. So Yeah, so they have time to do that kind of stuff. They don't have to worry about the uh, the cohesion on the staff because they don't have any more games for nine months. Um, yeah, and I want, you always wonder, that's the D-line coach and the uh, secondary coach. Sean Spencer uh, and Corey Raymond, defensive backs coach. I think he has Louisiana ties. He used to be like an, a big – he was a big kind of get. He was like the, the star assistant yeah, hire. I feel like he was uh, – he played at LSU, I think, yeah. if I remember if I remember the name correctly. But, yeah, like that's – you always wonder with position coaches, uh, what does that do to a recruiting class that I don't follow it closely – but well, seems that LJ to be Mc- I think LJ Mc- a little bit. I think LJ McCray might be like a linebacker, but he's like a he's a five star kid, and I think he might be a defensive end here when he gets to college. And them getting rid of their defensive line coach, maybe not the best thing, but hey, you know they'll deal with it. You know that's their own problem. Yeah, last thing on the way, actually, uh, shout out Mike Elko, new head football coach at Texas A and M. Jeff Levy, new head coach at Mississippi State. Sounds like Houston wants Tulane's Willie Fritz. So round and round this thing goes. I wonder, what if Duke will kick the tires on Adam Fuller? You know, or like Jimbo. Um, yeah. Maybe they kick the tires on Jimbo. He's not doing anything. He doesn't He's even not. need the money. He doesn't. Uh, um, you know, I don't know if you saw the video. We'll get to both of them. But Mississippi State, when Lebby landed, did you see that video? <laughs> yeah, that's, I really wish that no context college football account tweeted it out, but I saw he's. You know, I mean, you want you go ahead and describe it. No, you you describe it. If I'm not mistaken, he he walks off the private jet on the tarmac, and there's a small gaggle of fans there to welcome yeah. him, and he he walks off with his cowbell. Everybody's ringing cowbells. He's ringing his cowbell, and they're they've got like uh, 
I don't know, pyro, not pyrotechnics, but like fog machine, like sending yeah. up like like flares of smoke, plumes of smoke, like a new pope's been uh, appointed. But then they they hoist, they either hoist him. Oh no, or the I didn't a, see that. Or the AD oh, no. up on their shoulders and oh, carry him off the tarmac. No. Mississippi State, what are we doing? And then you saw the Elko press conference. I have where, not. I have okay, not. so he's on the podium after he does the, I guess, maybe it's Gig before him? he does his introductory oh, okay. press conference or after. But he's on the stage with his family and the administrators, the president, I'm sure, and the AD that hired him. And they do the sway thing. Oh, no. But Mikey. everybody at the press conference in the crowd in front of him is doing the sway thing. Now, I'm going to go ahead and assume those are boosters and not reporters. But who knows out there? But they're all doing the sway thing violently for, and, you know, Elko's humoring them like Jimbo did, putting on the boots and posing with the dog. But it's like, hey, SEC, can't y'all be normal? Why do y'all have to look like this? Imagine Belichick, if he got hired from the by the Jets, <laughs> having to paint J-E-T-S <laughs> on his chest. Or do the uh, go go do the cheer with the fireman Ed guy? Like, why did why is it only reserved for you? And I'm, I shouldn't say you, the royal you, crazy college football fans that these coaches have to make an ass of themselves for what? What is the point of this, guys? And the point of that, I guess, I'm saying to all you Florida State fans is thank you for not being like that. <laughs> thank you. Like y'all didn't make Norvell. Get on Renegade and ride down Appalachia or uh, Stadium Drive. You know what I mean? Y'all just y'all are cool. Y'all are normal. He came and spoke at the basketball game after his press conference, and he did the chop a few times. That's fine. You didn't make him plant the spirit midfield and join the marching chiefs and or anything else. And I just don't really do appreciate that, gang, because the SEC, especially the SEC West, is just full of weirdos. Why are you trying to say it with East? Because you went to Georgia, you guys aren't part of the weirdness? Yeah, I, I, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's Kentucky, it's Georgia. Now, Kentucky's crazy about their basketball, but I don't think even they'd make Calipari, like, you know, go yeah. dress up like a wildcat or something. Yeah. It's just nuts. A&M in the state of Mississippi, y'all are weird. Y'all are weird, and y'all never win anything, and maybe it's because you're so weird. And if you lessen the weirdness – Maybe you'd get better players and coaches to come coach for you. It's all I'm saying, Aslan. It's all I'm saying. Uh, we got to go, but I, I was just doing random research the other day, and um, you know, it goes back to your whole point about how Texas A&M has been trying and, and failing at figuring this thing out. And we think about like in the short term, like you know, they get Dennis Franchione to leave Alabama. We think about mm -hmm. Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo. Do you know that according to Wikipedia? On January 15th, 1982, so I wasn't even on this planet yet, Right. Texas A&M offered Bo Schembechler nearly $3 million over 10 years. It was the richest contract in the history of college athletics at the time. He turned it down saying, quote, frankly, I've come to the conclusion that there are things more important in this world than money. For that yeah. reason, I've decided to stay at Michigan. So even since, I mean, for 40 years, yeah. they have thrown money at the problem. I don't know what kind of money they're throwing at Mike Elko, though, uh, Probably not. I think it was seven seven mil a year, with a bunch of incentives. Okay, about, well, like they're learning. They're learning. Incentives. Yes, right, they're learning. Well, they might have literally run out of money, like because they still owe Jimbo so much. They might have been like, "Look, this is as high as we can go, man. If you get us to a championship game, which good luck, Elko, good luck. Uh, but if you do, we'll give you some more money. But we cannot give you fourteen million dollars a year.
but yeah, it's yeah. Hey, good for Bo, right? Yes. Good for Bo. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it, again. Why would anybody leave a good destination football school for that place? Right. Just doesn't make sense. And I lied. Last thing on the way out. Bigger sign of the impending apocalypse, Corey. Okay. Uh, the fact that Sports Illustrated's parent company used uh, artificial intelligence, fake bylines to create stories and put it under the Sports Illustrated uh, masthead, or they created fake authors like fake yeah. writers with yeah. whole backstories of who they were and where they're from and what school they went to and all that yeah is that more concerning or the fact that uh the once cheese it bowl now i think the pop tart bowl is gonna have the first ever edible mascot apparently the winning team will celebrate by taking a bite of the giant pastry mascot I, a mascot can't be an entity can it it can't be a thing it has to be a live thing right Maybe its it costume might. is edible. The person underneath it is. I know. I think they showed it. It's like a. It's like a. I would say a four foot pop tart on a stick. <laughs> Which I mean, again, <laughs> I mean, why not just fill a big Gatorade cooler, Powerade cooler, with fifty frosted strawberry pop tarts and dump them? Yeah. Uh, what What are they doing? But uh, that I would still say the AI was Sports Illustrated because that's just so gross. It's so gross, and it goes against every fiber of my being. Yeah. But what are we doing with with these games now? What what are what are we doing? Like Dumping Micah Pittman got to stay. In, yeah, Micah people. Pittman stayed in a cheese it room last year. <laughs> like he got to stay in the cheese it room. Um, so yeah, the the whole thing is the whole thing is crazy. But yeah, I, I think I know that's how it was worded. That that pop tart thing is a mascot. Yeah. But I just feel like you have to be breathing air. You have right. to be or like the Stanford tree. Yeah. It's still a living thing. It, it, a pop tart is created. It's man made. You can't be man-made and be a mascot, in my opinion. Well, the Stanford tree's man-made. It's not a real tree. No, I know, but there are trees in Palo Alto, California. <laughs> it's a reasonable facsimile <laughs> of something that, that does live uh, among us. Like, Pop-Tarts are just made in a factory. Oh, That's like saying the Cheez-It box is a mascot. Okay. Is it? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe the Well, I guess the planter's peanut guy is a mascot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Slippery know. slope, Corey. Slippery it is. Slope. It is. I can't think about it anymore. We're an hour into the show. Let's wrap it up. We're done, but uh, we'll be at practice this morning. So check out Warchant.com as well as Warchant TV. That's our YouTube page for interviews, practice footage, observations, wrap-ups, all over on the website, Warchant.com. Central headlines, 1 to 3 o'clock, Corey Clark, Irish show fell, Jeff Cameron, 93.3 FM, as well as Warchant TV. Again, that's our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hit the thumbs up on the way out. Maybe leave a five-star rating and review. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Board Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.